Hey there, this is Dr. Rob, the referral doc. How's it going? Welcome to the Special Dentalist Podcast, where we help specialists become special. Now, you may ask yourself, why in the world is a general dentist uh, hosting this podcast, telling specialists how to be special? Why, why isn't another specialist or maybe, they, maybe another marketing person? But uh, over the last seven years of uh, working with specialists and communication with general dentists, being on the end, receiving end of that communication and who you're really marketing to, um, to make you special, who is it that you want to make special? The general dentist. So that's why I'm doing this podcast and hopefully you find a lot of uh, good information here to help you become special. Uh, we have a number of different podcasts we want to we want to approach. A lot of these are taken from my blogs that I have on the referraldoc.com. And the first one I'm going to be talking about today is we're going to be talking on uh, the five things not to do. So don't do what we hate. Don't do what the general dentists hate. Uh, there's five surefire ways for specialists to upset their referring doctors. So before I get started, I want to first of all just say, obviously, there's a lot of things that general dentists do to tick you off, and <laughs> you want to have your, your opinions out there for the general dentist to hear the top five things to not do to, to tick off a specialist. So I know it goes both ways, and in fact, I'm going to be doing a podcast where we're going to be talking about that, uh, talking exactly uh, from a specialist point of view, uh, when to refer, what you guys would prefer, how to send the patient, how to communicate communicate effectively. And so we'll be talking about that as well. But today we're going to actually be discussing what's going to help you guys maintain your referring, um, uh, that, that stream of referrals coming in. So even though a lot of these might be like, you'll have like something to say, I guarantee you'll hear it and be like, well, you know, this and that. I'm, I'm just telling you, these are from a general dentist's point of view on things that you just want to be clear to stay away from if you want to continue to have that referring um, stream coming in. Okay, number one, performing more than what was asked for without discussing it first. So this happened to a patient of mine, uh, oh, I'm sorry, a friend of mine, a colleague of mine that sent in a patient to an oral surgeon and he asked the oral surgeon to extract number 19 and put in a bone graft and to send them back. And, and this general dentist was planning on, doing, uh, planning on doing the implant. Well, the patient went in, and as they discussed with the oral surgeon what was going on, what was going to happen, uh, the, 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 the patient kind of mentioned, well, could you just do the implant? Well, the oral surgeon, obviously, is trying to be, do what's nice. He probably feels like, yeah, this is, makes sense. I'm going to have you opened up anyway. We should probably be doing the, the implant as well. Uh, the problem was he didn't call the general dentist and ask the general dentist his opinion about it. And so what ended up happening was that the patient ended up ha going back to the general dentist later on. The implant was already placed. And, and then the, it was just really frustrating for the referring office to feel like the oral surgeon overstepped his bounds, did what he uh, did something that he was not asked to do. So the best case scenario there is really simple. Just call the general dentist and just say, hey, I noticed that you only asked for the extraction and the bone grafting. Um, the patient's asking about the implant. Would you like me to do that or would you like me to send it back to you and tell the patient that you will do that? Um, a lot of the times the general dentist will say, you know, if the patient's already there, they want to have you do it, um, go ahead. That's fine. But at least right now it's, it's you know, it's okay because you've talked about it. Uh, rather than just doing it. Now, if the general dentist says, you know what, I'd really like to do that myself, that's something I was planning on, 
um, do not make him feel bad about that. You know, just say, okay, sounds great. And, and know that down the road, um, you're going to get those implant cases from him. If you tell him any type of a stink about, you know what, I really think that you should have the specialist uh, do that or whatever, you're going you're gonna to lose a, a referring person. So anyway, that's, that's my suggestion on that. Uh, that was number one is performing more than what was asked for without discussing it first. Uh, number two is criticizing the referring doctor to the patient. So obviously this is something that you guys already know. Uh, and it's got to be a really delicate thing. I, I understand how frustrating that can be. I've had second opinions that have come into me asking me, why did it not work with the other doctor? And, and you need to be honest with them, tell them what didn't work, and, and trying not to throw the other doctor under the bus. And a lot of the things that specialists do is fixing the problems that general dentists get themselves into. And it's difficult to do without making the general dentist look bad because once you make that general dentist look bad, then yeah, it's difficult for a general dentist to refer uh, back to you. And obviously you learned this in dental school. You don't know what the circumstances were. So it's, it's very difficult for you to just completely throw them under the bus. Um, so here's a, here's an actual story. John, a patient was referred to an endodontist for a re retreat. John never made it back to the referring doctor. The referring dentist called John only to find out that John had decided to switch to another dentist. The patient explained that the endodontist said that general, that general dentists should never perform molar endo and that if the referring doctor would have referred the patient to him in the first place, the tooth never would have given him problems. <clears throat> so the general dentist wanted to give the specialist the benefit of the doubt. So the general dentist called the specialist, said, hey, you know, did you really say this to my patient? And unfortunately, the endodontist went on a five-minute rant about how general dentists have no right performing molar endos. And this actually happened to a colleague of mine that I happen to know does excellent molar endos, uh, does super great molar endos. As good as an endodontist, I mean, I don't know, it could be argued, but he does really good uh, molar endos. And that, that was the wrong thing to say to this guy, uh, this other dentist. Did he stop doing molar endos because it's endodontist told him he had no business doing them. No, he, he continued to do them. The only difference is he's, he stopped referring people to the endodontist. Now, um, maybe that's okay. Maybe the general, don, uh, maybe the endodontist just didn't want to see his patients anymore because they're just all a disaster, which I know wasn't the case. But uh, he ended up, uh, and that's, this is number three that I'll get into, but, and I'll talk about that in a bit. But here's, here's what I suggest happening. Certainly you're going to have um, doctors that continue to see, you see a pattern of them not performing uh, really good clinical standard uh, work and, and you need to help them. It's, it's your duty to kind of help them. It's not your duty, but it would be good for you to do. Uh, here, here, how about this? Uh, hey, Dr. Smith, I want to first thank you for your confidence in me but for sending me referrals. I really appreciate it. My hope was to call you and not only thank you, but also let you know that I'm here for you if ever you need any any help. I've noticed a few cases come through where the fourth canal, uh, you've missed the MB2. And uh, I know that happens to all of us. It's very difficult. There's a couple of tricks that I've learned uh, through all the years of, of doing this that I'd love to, to show you. Would you like to go out to lunch and, and let me show that to you? So it's not a little bit better, uh, a lot better way to address this. Uh, to be able to come in and act like you're on their team and that you're an advocate for the general dentist that that you're there to help them. I had that actually happen to me. Uh, there was an orthodontist that didn't like 
the space maintainers I was using uh, to maintain the space when extracting a deciduous tooth. And, and so rather than call me up and tell me I was doing it all wrong and stuff, he invited me over for lunch and he just showed me, hey, some of these prefab uh, space maintainers, I, I've been having issues with them and this is why. And I really suggest that you have a lab make it or whatever. So and I did not take offense to it. I thought it was great. Uh, and he did it really, really well. So that's, that's what I suggest you do if you, you find yourself in that issue. Okay, number three, referring a patient on to another specialist without notifying the general dentist first. So this actually happened to a group of dentists um, in my area. Uh, I had a patient, and this happened to me personally. Um, I, I found this is hap was happening a lot. So I had a patient that had an extensive treatment plan. The patient needed scale and root, root canals, uh, extractions, and needed a partial denture, lots of fillings and restorative work that needed to be done. Uh, what ended up happening is the first thing that needed to be done was to get this patient out of pain. So I sent them to an oral surgeon to have some of these trickier, trickier extractions taken care of. Um, a month goes by and we call that patient to get him back in uh, because we didn't hear anything back. And, and the patient said, you know what, I think I'm done with all my treatment. And so my office manager came and told me, I called the patient. He says, yeah, I, you know, the oral surgeon referred me to an endodontist who did a lot of root canals for me, who sent me to the periodontist that did the scale and root. And so I'm pretty sure that I'm all done. I'm like, well, there was a lot more that needed to be done. You have a lot of fillings that need to be done. We needed to end with a partial denture. That was kind of our plan. Uh, not to mention, you know, there was a couple of things that was frustrating to me as a general dentist. There's some root canals that I, I particularly wanted to, to do. And so what they did is, yeah, they, it seemed like a great marketing plan. You know, once they get in, they, they just kind of bounce them around between the different specialists um, until – until uh, you know the person's not dries up of money and then send them back, but it's really bad for the long-term plan of referring. Uh, that's a really a bad thing to do. We found out uh, that that was happening a lot, and they lost a lot of referring doctors. They I, I can't think of one of those specialists that we can that we continued to refer to after that whole thing went down. Okay, number four, refusing to take a lesser case after taking many good pain cases. So this is the one that I alluded to before where the endodontist came out and said, <clears throat> you know, if you started a root canal, I don't want to see it. I only want virgin teeth um, to send to me. The thing that, that came across wrong to everybody in the city was that we're sending like lots of good root canals to this guy. And we're sending a lot that had been worked on. And I get it. No, I totally get it. That's got to be the most frustrating thing as an endodontist is that you're just time after time after time. It's, it's like we've gone in there, the general dentist went in there and just hamburgered it up and just like ledged everything and you just cannot uh, fix it. Um, and, there, and, and I also talk about in another podcast when it's appropriate for uh, you guys to maybe not accept uh, take on those type of cases but I also make a case on why it's really great for you guys to help the general dentists out and to help them through those uh, sticky situations and in fact that will be my next podcast so um, I'd, I'd recommend uh, listening to that but uh, to just come right out and just say you know what I'm only going to accept your perfect cases that's a great way to have people stop referring to you. 
So it unfortunately, as a specialist, you do need to take some of the crap as well. If you're just getting nothing but crappy work from somebody, it may be good to kind of um, draw the line and just say, with this particular doctor, you know what, I'm not going to accept anything that you've already started because it's just too difficult for me to perform to get people to where they, they need to be. Um, but to do it blank, you know, carte blanche to the whole, to the whole area, um, that's a difficult thing. You're going to kill your referring uh, revenue stream. Okay, number five is poor communication. So it doesn't matter how good of a specialist you are, you may perform the best work in the world, but if we don't hear back from, from you about the patient, then that's a major problem. In fact, it's the number three on the list of the number three, the third reason why general dentists stop referring to a specialist is because they communicate very poorly. The first one is that they perform really bad work. So if you're doing really bad work, that's the first way that we stop referring. The second one is if you treat our patients poorly. If we come back and, and ask the patient how it went and they said, you know what, this guy's a jerk, then, uh, and I have another podcast talking about that. Um, but the third one is poor communication. It's really important that you guys communicate. So the very first thing about communicating is knowing about the patient. So if you don't even know the patient is being sent to you through a paper referral form, 40% don't even call you to schedule that appointment. How can you even report back that they didn't want to come in or that, that nothing was done? So the first step is, is uh, the problem with paper referring is that you don't even know that the patient even exists. So you can't even report back about that. There's, there's a number of different steps that you need to, need to take in communicating. If, what if you need to um, have another specialist take a look at it, get another specialist involved? Uh, you need to send them back to the referring doctor to get some stuff done. Um, so, so there's a lot more than just the final letter. And that's typically the only thing that we ever hear from general dentists is a piece of paper that is sent in the mail saying, hey, um, you know, we, we saw this patient. This is what we did. It's all on a piece of paper. It usually gets scanned in and put in their file. The general dentist never sees it. We never see that piece of paper. Um, and so, so we never really know. And there's so many times where I can't tell you how many times I'd say, whatever happened to John? And we just have no clue whatever happened to him. We have to call them. Uh, see what's going on, to call the specialists. So it's really, really important that you guys communicate well. Um, it, I, I suggest that you get a system that, that helps the referring process from beginning to end. Um, a lot of these referring platforms, that online referring, yeah, it's great. It notifies you uh, in the beginning, but there's no ongoing communication um, where you file share, you guys can, you have kind of like a Dropbox folder where you can uh, make messages and it notifies the other person. Um, of course, I, I uh, suggest you take a look at ReferralWeb, referralweb.com. And that is uh, uh, how I got involved with all of this. That's my, my parent company here is ReferralWeb. I'm one of the founders there. Uh, but, but any of these that, any of these referring platform, there's a number of them out there. Uh, that would help you. So help you accomplish that. So uh, the last thing I want to, to say is when, just remember that when a, a general dentist stops referring to you, there's no big fireworks, there's no fanfare, um, there's no telegram saying, I'm not going to refer to you any, anymore. They just slowly stop referring to you. And it's really, really important that you guys uh, are able to see that when it starts happening. You don't want to wait until it's been three or four months since you have seen, haven't seen a referral from them. By then, it's too late. Typically, what happens is that unless something really drastic happens, like with one of the 
top five that I told you there. Um, usually what happens is another guy has come and, and is kind of taking them out to lunch, starting to sweet talk them a little bit. And uh, you slowly, at least what happens with me is I start sending them occasional ones. And if they're, <clears throat> if the other one is like communicating better with me or something like that, then I slowly stop referring to you and I start referring to them. But it usually is not a clear, like just I completely stop. So what you want to see is a trend of the referral starting to slow down. So like on the analytics with referral web, it shows the whole 12 months. If the last three months, I figure three months is a good time for you to see a slowdown, a pretty consistent slowing of the average of referrals. If you notice that it, and you get a notification of the warning that this person's slowing down, then you need to put, reach out to them, take them to lunch, have them over to your office, uh, and when you have between 30 to 50 referring offices, it's difficult, as you know, to be able to keep track of that until it's like, dang, I haven't seen anybody from so-and-so for, gosh, six months. And then by then, it's too late. They've already changed habits. They've already gone to somebody else. So you want to jump on it quickly. You want analytics that not only uh, see it, but notify you and show you the warnings that, that happen with that. So next week, we're going to be discussing when to bail out, when and why you should bail out your general dentist. That's a fun uh, topic of discussion. And I have a lot of fun stories about that. Actually, very painful stories, <laughs> if I'm being honest. So we'll see you next week. And thanks for joining the Special Dentalist Podcast, where we help specialists be, uh, become and remain special. Thanks. Thanks.